Amen, amen. Well, God is good. Again, happy Father's Day. If you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get them out. If you have a Bible app on your phone or didn't even know there was such a thing, there is. Or there are websites you can go to, like like Bible Gateway and different ones. You get free Bibles and many translations. You can look right along with us. If you would, find the book of Romans. Romans. Romanos. Chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want to share some things with you today. I think it will be helpful. And I want to explain a little bit how my how I got to where I am and, and, and how my life was changed at a certain point. I don't mean the whole process, but something that triggered uh, what is, what was to come and what is today. Uh, I've been able to identify and notice that sometimes people are frustrated for a few different reasons. They, come, they get to a point of frustration in their life, even if they're saved. I mean, you may not be frustrated about salvation, about eternity. You may be settled and established in your faith in that regard. But as far as day-to-day life and just experiencing the fullness of God's best in every area, sometimes people get frustrated because they are trying to do something that they don't understand. And if they don't understand it, they don't. it's hard to do it. They don't understand the 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 why. They don't understand the how. They don't understand the what. Uh, secondly, people get frustrated when uh, they are uh, wanting to give, but they don't have what they want to give. There's a real need. There's a real worthy cause. Uh, and I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking giving in many ways. There's something that needs attention, but they don't have the wherewithal to be able to meet that need, but even the desire of their, even though the desire of their heart is there. And then third, uh, people get frustrated when they are taking in or storing up, but then never giving out. When it does come to them, but it then, it then stops with them and there's not an outgo. Uh, that can be a frustrating problem, a cause of angst in, the, in their heart. And it's just very difficult to live something that you don't grasp. The what, the why, the how. Uh, I, I remember when my, our, our oldest daughter, uh, Whitley, was uh, maybe two or three years old and it was her birthday and I bought her, uh, we bought her a swing set. I almost don't want to say we because the <laughs> it was we, but we bought this swing set. Yeah, she probably picked it or picked it out and then said, "Put this together." You know, it came in a box, massive, probably multiple boxes. It, it wasn't just a couple swings. It had a little side cart, you know, a little car. What do you call? You sit in. It has a little. It was crazy. There, you, you, there were so many parts to that thing. I hate it to this day. I shouldn't say hate. I dislike extremely. I'll reserve hate for sin. Uh, uh, but it was. It took me three days to put it together, and uh, and it was. Uh, so I, I've had people tell me before. Uh, years ago, I used this illustration. One guy in the church said, "I love to do that. It's like a puzzle putting it together." I thought. Man, you and I are different. Because <laughs> I did not like it, but eventually got it together and it functioned for a number of years. And, uh, and we even moved it. We moved it to Boise and I had partly took it apart and put it back together again. Oh. 
Uh, say, why, why didn't I like that so much? Why wasn't that joy? Why was it so frustrating? In large part because I just didn't know how to do it. You know, I had the five gazillion parts and a piece of paper that doesn't always, the parts don't always look the same. That and that. What? That's the same thing? Whatever. I think people, they hire people to torture people like me uh, when they put those together. But it's just because I didn't understand. There are other people that have an understanding, and I, probably if I built a f- couple of them, I would get it, and then it'd be easy, and I'd enjoy it. But I, I needed understanding. So I think we need to get, we need to get something here. Um, in our spiritual life is what I'm saying. There are some things we need to understand in order to enjoy life and to, and to live it out. Uh, uh, at the same time, it's very difficult to receive from people who don't live it. If someone is preaching something, proclaiming, telling, and yet they don't have it working in their own life, how many know it's kind of hard to just fully accept it? It's like Because sometimes it, might, it could even be hypocrisy. You're saying for me to do that, but you don't do that. You know what I'm talking about? And so the living it out is essential to the, the, the message here. Now, um, I've entitled this. Let me have you say it out loud with me. i got three phrases. It goes like this. Number one, say it out loud. Get it. Live it. Give it. All right. I need to get it so that I am able to live it. And I need to live it so that I am qualified to give it. I can't give what I don't have, and I can't really give what I don't live. And so this starts with this concept, and this, uh, this is powerful in, in me, and I hope it is to you as well. I just need to get stuff from God. I need to understand. I need to know His ways. I need to have this invested in me before it can come out of me and work for me and for other people. Everybody with me? Okay, look at Romans. It's kind of the starting point. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. Everybody got it? Say amen when you got it. Say oh me if you don't. Okay, uh, Romans ten fourteen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? That's pretty understandable. Go on to the 17th verse. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The fact is, none of us have the ability to believe in or to believe God without first hearing the message. I'm just, if I don't hear it, if I don't get it, I don't have any decisions to make. If I don't hear it, if I don't get it, I'm not even directly rejecting it. I just don't have anything to reject. I don't have anything to believe. I don't have anything to not believe. I'm just kind of, it starts with hearing. I've got to get it. I've got to hear it. I've got to understand what you're talking about. Then I have the ability to say, oh yeah, I accept that. Oh yeah, I believe that. I'll take that. I'll receive that. So it all starts, amazing, with preaching, which means proclaiming, telling. 
It starts with someone sharing the message. Why, why do some people not believe? Well, some, there's different reasons in the big picture, but there's a section of people, they don't believe simply because they haven't heard. And if they could hear, they would believe. Right? Uh, they just don't have anything to believe. Why do some people only believe a little bit? Is it true that some people just believe a little bit and some people have greater conviction and more belief? Yeah, some people only believe a little bit because they heard the gospel, they received salvation, made Jesus Lord, they're going, they're, they're saved, they're on their way to heaven, but they stopped hearing at that point. So they've received the base element, which is for sure the starting point, they received salvation, but then they stopped hearing, meaning they don't have anything else to believe. It's one of the great challenges to me as a pastor has been for many years and, and sometimes it's like, ah, how do, I, how do I get it across to people just the very basics of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing all the rest of your life? If you're going to get saved, here's what you need. If you're going to be born on planet earth, you have to eat the rest of your life. Right? You can't take too many days off. If you're going to be a Christian and succeed in life, you have to hear for the rest of your life. If you don't, there's nothing else to believe. Your believing will be in decline, and, and as far as believing more, or, and therefore experiencing more of God, it, will just be, it won't be on the table. It won't be an option. And so that's why, you know, again, I say as... A pastor is a Christian. One of my goals, I want to get people saved. If you're not saved, I am going to pray and work and do whatever I can and pull hair or wherever to get you saved. Because <laughs> I don't want anyone to miss heaven. That's right. Amen. But as soon as you say yes to, get, as, to getting saved, as many of us have, I'm, I want to do everything in my power to convince you to hear more after salvation. Hear, hear, hear. Now, that's not the only thing, but I know if you don't hear, nothing else is going to work. If I can't convince, this sounds kind of strange. If I can't convince you to keep listening to me, <laughs> obviously it's not just me, but hearing the message and hearing more messages and hearing more truth, then I will never be able to get you to walk in victory in life. And you'll struggle. You'll be roller coaster. You'll be up and down and in and out and, and not solid as a rock. And so we want to continue to hear. Here's, here's the way Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20. He writes, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. That's always an outstanding concept to me. Just the reality, I mean, it's true, it's real. This is how God saves people. It's not the most brilliant who are saved. It's not the most diligent who are saved. God uses the exact same simplistic method that can even be called foolish to save all people of all walks of life all around the planet. It's just really pretty cool. It's the way he saves PhDs. It's the way he saves eight-year-olds. It's the way he saves the very wealthy. It's the way he, he saves the homeless. It's the way he saves everyone in between of all cultures and background and experience. 
What? One thing works on everybody. The preaching of the message, the gospel, the Spirit of God takes that and transforms lives. I literally sit back sometimes and I think after, after services and after some great things happen or I hear testimonies of lives changed, I sit back and think, this is so cool. I am totally not smart enough to change their life. <laughs> I totally do not have the ability to uh, transform lives like this. But look at that. I got up there and preached the gospel and the Spirit of God transformed someone. It's so cool. And that's the method. If someone thinks they can get it another way, well, I'm, I'm going to get it because I'm just real smart. No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, you might be smart compared to me or someone else. Compared to God, you are an idiot. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way. I'm just talking the magnitude of God's knowledge and understanding. And here we come along, but through something very simplistic that everyone can get, and they do. And we... We have in our services all those different levels, people very smart, people not educated, people with different backgrounds. They come and pray the exact same prayer, and we're going to the same heaven. Amen. It's amazing. That's how God did it, and he continues to do it. I read a quote from an old-time minister named A.W. Tozer. He wrote, The Christian church was designed to make sinners sweat. I have always believed that and still believe it. The messages preached in our churches should make backslidden Christians sweat. And if achieved, and if I achieve the objective when I preach, I thank God with all my heart no matter what people think of me. In other words, it's the simplistic message of the gospel. There is a great uh, pressure or temptation in our day for churches, for Christians, um, for believers to kind of back off on the gospel, you know, like Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, but basically to turn churches into humanitarian organizations, just, you know, just help the poor, just do what you can in the community and that, on that level, and, uh, you know, thank God we, do, we are involved in that, and we do all those things, uh, but they want to make that the only thing. Uh, generally, if you see churches... Uh, or ministries highlighted in some kind of uh, news story or, or media broadcast. Those are the things that are pointed out, and the mention of the gospel is not, because they think there's only value in some of that natural stuff. But how many know the natural things that we do are only a setup so we can get you the spiritual truth? Oh, there you go. There you go. Because Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and feed the poor. He didn't say, don't feed the poor, but he did say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Why is the emphasis there? Because it's by the foolishness of preaching the message that people are saved. And if we take that out of it, because, you know, some are uncomfortable or some don't like it or whatever, if we take that out of it, what are we? I mean, that's the thing that saved me. That's the thing that changed my life. When my grandmother came to me when I was, I was young and, said, and talked to me about accepting Jesus as my Savior. And she told me, and I did, and, and God did, and, and, and I'm saved. Amen. And He's been my Lord and my friend ever since. But it's that simple message that worked in my life and works in all of our lives. So before anyone can be saved and have their lives transformed, they simply have to get it. They simply need understanding. They have to hear the truth. And, and that's what we, we need to do. Uh, do you want to live life at a higher level? 
Does that sound appealing? Do, do you want to be, uh, live a life where God can use you in significant ways or more than He's able to use you right now, where your life would really count for something more? Well, if your answer is yes, the key is to get more. You need to have something to give in order to give it. Watch. It's, it's like the concept, the, the, what I don't believe, that goes like this. Well, I believe that God can use anyone at any time to do anything. You do? Well, could he use you to give a million dollars? Well, maybe he can, but I don't have that kind of cash laying around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't give what I don't have. Could he use you? to strengthen another believer. Well, it depends how strong you are. Could he use you to teach someone a principle, a truth that will set them free? Well, it depends if you know it. Depends if you have it. If you don't have it, no, you can't. You can't give it. You can't give it financially. You can't give it spiritually. You can't give out what, you, what doesn't exist. That's why I believe this process starts with getting it. I need to get it personally. And until I get it, I'm not really of much use to very many people. You might recall the story in Acts chapter 3 when and Peter and John were walking into the gate. Beautiful, it's called, the beautiful gate. There was that guy there, that with the lame man, that was there begging, begging for money. And they walked by him and... The guy's looking at him, and they stopped and said, look at us. And the guy looked at him, thinking he's going to get something from him, like money. And they said, no, 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 we don't have any, basic, I'm paraphrasing, it's, it's Acts 3, what is it, Acts 3, 6? It basically said, I don't have any money on me. He said, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. Notice that phrase, what I have, that I give. I can't give what I don't have. You can't give what you don't have. And it almost, it might seem self-centered to say, I need to get some stuff. But if your heart is right in the matter, you know that you're of little use. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? I don't mean you're of little value to God or anything like that. But I'm of little use to Him if I don't take the time to get something. If I don't have anything working in me, what can he use me? I'll just say, Lord, just use my life. Lord, just I offer myself for your, for your use. You know, if you, if you showed up to a, a job site of some kind and you were looking for work and you went to the, you know, the foreman, thank you, uh, on the job and said, hey, I'm here to work. If you have any jobs, I'd be happy to help. And he says, well, what can you do? Uh... Well, I can work. <laughs> well, can you swing a hammer? No. What's a hammer? I don't have a hammer. Uh, well, can you... I don't know. Whatever you want to fill in the blank there. And you see, he starts going through the jobs that are necessary, and you can't do, of them or do any of them or don't have the equipment to do them. He's going to have to say, you know, I just don't have any work for you. You're not really useful to me in this job right here. You don't have any skills or anything to give in this situation. Could it be ever be that way in life with us spiritually? 
And probably none of us are at a zero. I understand that. We all have something to give and, 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 and something there. But if I want to increase my value and my worth in God's kingdom, I'm going to have to get some more. Amen. You know, we can talk about that from a spiritual standpoint, from a financial standpoint. It's even true emotionally. I mean, Noah, whenever you, a person gets depleted or depressed or discouraged emotionally, they, and when they're in that state, they're really not of much use to anyone else. They don't help anyone else. If I'm empty, I can't help someone else who's empty. If I'm discouraged, if I'm depressed, I'm not really a blessing to anyone in life. So, so what, what needs to happen? I need to get refueled. I need to pull over to the gas station and stick the hose in my gas tank and fill up. If I don't do that, I'm going to not be able to go down the road any further in life. It's not about becoming self-centered where it's all about me and people just say, well, you need to love yourself. And uh, Some people, they, they take that stuff too far. It's just a temporary fill-up. It's not a lifelong mentality of it's all about me and I'm just taking care of me. No, it's a temporary fill-up so we can get back on the road. But the truth is, I have to stop, I have to get something, I have to receive in order for me to continue giving. At the same time, you know, what you get, what you receive has to be good stuff. Um, I, think, I think about gas, and I was thinking about the whole fueling up illustration, and, and I, I don't have this trouble with cars, but I have had it in the past with lawnmowers and weed eaters. And that kind of stuff, where in the spring, you know, you go for the first trimming and mowing and stuff, and you go on there to start your equipment, and you're pulling on that thing as hard as you can, and skin is coming off your hand, because it won't start. It's like, so you're checking everything, and if you're not, you know, a super motorhead, you kind of thinking, what in the world? You know, there's gas in there, maybe the spark plug, but I don't really know how to test that anyway. <laughs> and uh, you're looking at whatever you can figure out, and then you call your friends who know engines, right? And then one of them says, uh, maybe your fuel's old. They say, you need a, you got bad gas in there, you got to dump it out, it's old. So you dump it out and get fresh, and then it starts up. Yeah, that's a real thing sometimes. Uh, I wonder sometimes if we need to pull over spiritually, pull over, get tanked up, get filled up with some good stuff. Not just religious teaching, not just anything. Some good quality fuel so we can get back on the road again. Amen. Maybe you've been pulling on your string for a while, <laughs> for your life, and it's like, man, I just can't get started. I'm lacking the strength. I'm lacking the motivation. I'm lacking the wherewithal to do something significant in my life. It's time to get something. Everybody okay? I think some people, they need to pull over for a couple years. You know what I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. It's three letters. It's L, B, and C. It's <laughs> so, some of our, yeah... <laughs> It's called Life Bible College. I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but some people will be extremely good because when you come out, and we've had hundreds of people do that, they come out on the other side. You know what happens? They have more to give than they've ever had before in their life. 
They have greater understanding. They are filled with the knowledge of God. And now they might be just serving in the church like they used to be. Some, some are going to full-time ministry. Even some just serve in the church. But they have such a reservoir of stuff. Why? Because they took some time to get it. If it's not that, I tell you, it's being in church regular like this. It's getting a part of life groups. It's, 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 it's having daily, you know, reading and having a prayer life. Just being, having some regular habits and practices in your life where you're constantly refueling. Now you're available to be used of God. You're full. You have it. You've got a smile on your face most of the time, right? And you're ready to give. But if we don't get it, we simply don't. We're not able to live it. And if we're not able to live it, we're not qualified to give it. Everybody okay? Even remember that. Remember the statement uh, Jesus said, lo- uh, "Love your neighbor as yourself." When someone is really messed up on their, I say messed up. You know, I, I mean that in a nice way. I'm using some of this language, but if they are, you know, uh, really in a in a position where they're an emotional wreck, they're not much help to anyone else. And that's not a put down. It's just saying. It's time to get healed, time to get refilled. It's time to get stirred up and strengthened again. Amen. One of my greatest desires is simply what I'm talking to you about. It is, I have a desire to help people get it. I have a desire to bring understanding of God's ways, God's word, God's power, God's love. You know, I'm not always Mr. Talkative like Pastor Bill. He can have a conversation with a doorpost. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm not always that way, personality-wise, willing, but, you know. But if you want to have a conversation with me, ask me a question about the Bible. Ask me a question about the, about the moving of God's Spirit, and I probably am ready, I'm ready to talk. Or you can talk about ice cream. I'm good there, too. Or, <laughs> or maybe the Dodgers or something like that. I'm probably okay in <laughs> But the, the biggest thing is I really, it lights my fire to explain things about the Lord and about God's kingdom. Not that I know it all, but to explain what I do know. And part of it's my calling, my gifting, so forth. Part of it is, this is how it worked in me many years ago. I See, I was a believer. I think I mentioned about my grandmother, and, and I got saved, and I was in church. My parents took, it to, took us to church. Well, weren't always very good churches. Uh, but, they, you know, not all bad either. And, and some of it was me. I just didn't get a lot out of some of it. It felt like I was always hearing about salvation again and again and again. I thought, I'm already saved. And so it was like... Uh, but there came a point in my life um, when I got a desire to learn more. And I was hungry. And people would ask me questions. Some of my unbelieving friends uh, would ask me questions about God and about eternity and about why things happen. And I wanted to give them an answer because I was the Christian in the conversation and I didn't know the answer. And that totally bugged me. It's like, ah, oh, why don't I know? They're, t- they're asking sincere questions about God and eternity and here I am the one who's done to the Christian without answers. That frustrated me so I went looking for them and asking. And uh, one of the things I did is I, I talked to my, my mom who had cassette tapes and different teaching series by some, some uh, ministers that were not local. But, and I knew she had those and I had never gone, gotten into any of it. So I asked her, could I have some of those tapes? You know, could I listen to some of those series? And she gave me these tapes and I started listening and it, 
you, it just lit a fire inside of me. I started learning something. I was, I thought, this is in the Bible? This has been there all this time? People knew this and didn't tell me? <laughs> and again, some of it was on me for not finding it and going after it. But when I did, I started listening for hours after hours and filling up notebooks and taking notes. I never did that before. I didn't take notes in church. I didn't, I didn't you know, other than I was a Christian, so I would read my Bible a little and, and pray a little, and I had a relationship with God, but I was carnal. It was, I was very surfacy, and uh, but I started learning and growing, and I got hungry for more and more of this as a result of it being explained to me. Once I understood the what, the why, the how, all of a sudden I started living it. Literally, I mean, I look back, I changed the way I talked, I changed the way I prayed, and it became exciting. And eventually, then I later I went to Bible college, and then I went into ministry, and dun da da. Here we are, three years later, right, or so, or thirty. Uh, and uh, but that's what did it for me. I I, I kind of think that might happen with you if it hasn't already, or I imagine to some it's already working in you, and has. But maybe some are you just you don't have a lot. Even if you believe in God, believe in Jesus, and even if you've been saved, you just don't have a lot. And so it's hard to live what you don't have. In fact, it's nearly impossible to live what you don't have. And if you get some more, it'll work in you, and you'll be excited about it. You'll say, prayer, let's do it. I mean, sometimes when I'm studying this, when I'm getting ready to, to minister on Sunday morning and so forth, and I'm teaching and getting scriptures ready and praying and writing notes. Sometimes I get so excited. I do. I, can't, I think, I can't wait to say this. I can't wait to tell everybody this. This is so awesome. And I just get fired up about explaining things because I know if it's received, it'll transform a life. It'll, take, it'll heal the sick and, and, and transform the depressed and bring them out into joy and give people purpose for their life and so many other things. And I love to say it. Hallelujah. Look, listen, now, Psalm 119 verse 130 reads, The entrance of your word, words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. How do I get this? How do I get understanding? I go to the word. The word of God turns a light on for me. If I have a light, I can walk around and see. I'm not going to stumble into things. I can move freely. Praise God. Go to one last passage with me today, and, uh, and then we'll finish. It's Matthew chapter 28. Left turn. Uh, Matthew 28. I understand that there is a place and a time to preach, to exhort, to stir up and fire up, and every now and then it gets on me and the fire, and I'll preach. And, and but I tell you, what turned my life around—not talking salvation here—but what turned my life around as a believer was not preaching; it was teaching. Preaching will be like putting that nitrous in your intake. Is that right? Is that where that goes? <laughs> you know, like in a hot rod car, and they get squirt that nitrous in there, and whoo, they get a big boost in power and in speed. But I understand if you put that in there too much, you you break your engine. 
what you need is for the long run. And we need those short bursts. Stir it up and fire it up. But what we need is teaching and understanding to keep us going for the long haul. Amen. And so preaching is good. We love it. I believe in it. Exhortation is good. What we need is understanding. I need to get it. It's like, ah, when the light turns on. Light bulb. You ever have that? You ever have that while reading or ever have that in a church service or have that listening to something? You're going, oh, I get that now. I see that. I understand how that works. That's when it will work for you. That's when you can do it and act on it and pray it and say it and kaboom, God is working in your life. But until you get it, it's not going to work. Hallelujah. So Jesus said this, Matthew 28, after he died, after he was raised from the dead, before he went to be seated at the right hand of the Father, he said this to his disciples. He gave them this charge. You know, in Mark 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew records this part of it, where he says in verse 18, 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples of all nations. So a disciple then is more than just someone who believes in Jesus, more than someone who just gets saved. It's someone who follows him. Okay, not follow at a distance, follow hard after him. Follow closely. Someone who walks right with him. All right. Someone who's a disciple, you see the word discipline in that word disciple? So they have some consistency in their life. They're disciplined in their relationship with God. They have some good habits, some things they do all the time. They're not a roller coaster Christian. They're not a, I was in church for a month and then I was gone for three months. And then I went for a year and I was out for three or four years. See, that person could be saved, but they're not a disciple. Everybody with me? They don't have a bunch of ideas that run contrary to this. They don't watch the news all day to figure out what's right and what's, what's godly and what's ungodly. You understand? A disciple goes to the Lord and they follow closely and they hear his thoughts and they know how he thinks. He said, this is the kind of people I want you to make. Go into all the world and make disciples, those who follow him, right? So how do I do that? First, first thing he said there in the, in the next part of that verse, he said, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice the first step in discipleship is baptizing. That's, called, that's speaking of water baptism. If you've been saved, you mean that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, but you haven't been baptized in water? I got three words for you. Get the up. Is that three words? Seriously, don't put that on hold or think unnecessary because, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I know, but when's that? I mean, hopefully it's a little ways out. (laughs) If you want to live and be a disciple of the Lord and live victorious in this life, you've got to go through the water. It's not just a religious experience. It's something God put in motion, and it will have an effect on your soul. It will impact your mentality. It will be so many things I don't have time to get into. But he said, the very first thing, make disciples, baptizing them. You've got to baptize them first. Well, that's weird. I know. It's almost like the foolishness of the, of the preaching of the message saves them. I don't even get that. I don't even understand that. And now you want them to go in water. Yep, and watch what happens when you do. Watch what happens when you do it with, with an understanding. You get that. It produces a change. He said in verse 20, 
teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what's the, what's the solution here? He said, make disciples, and here's how you do it. You baptize them and you teach them. You baptize them and you teach them. Why teach them? Because if they don't get it, they can't live it. And if they can't live it, they're not going to be able to give it because they'll be hypocrites. But the first step is getting it. You got it? Everybody get it? If you get it, now you have, some, you have something to work from. You have a base, a foundation, a pool of information, knowledge, anointing. You have the, the Spirit of God. And from that place, you're set up to go to the next level and to live a life at a higher place, to be used of God more than ever before. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4 says, In all you're getting, get understanding. In all you're getting. What do you want to get out of life? I want money. <laughs> well, that's okay. shouldn't be first, because you can't give money if you don't have money. Well, I want whatever. Here's what he says in all you're getting. What should you get? Understanding. Get it. Get the revelation. Get the truth. It'll make you free, and it'll set you up to make someone else free. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we love you today.